0: we Back in 5,
1: four, 3. And we're back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider, Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, online at WTKA.com. And the boys are back in town. The MGO Blog Roundtable crew, a little early today with, with Craig Ross and Seth Fisher, fellas. um An early signing period day behind us. I'm going to get you guys' reflections upon the class. And guys, you're looking forward to seeing uh, when we get to the round table, but I'm just curious what you guys make over this or out of the stark contrast in portal activity this year. And I should, obviously they picked up Olu Olu with last year, which was a home run. I don't think they, you know, while they got uh, a number of guys who I think are going to be plug and play guys for Michigan. I'm not predicting any of them to, to be what Olu was for, for Michigan this year, but still, uh, when you look at the number of transfers they were able to bring in this was this was outstanding. Michigan has the number one portal class portal class in the country. I wonder what you make of mm-hmm. the the you know the 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 contrast between this and what we've seen here in the, over the past couple of years.
2: It doesn't this feel like the future to you, at least the the short term? I mean, it it looks to me like what Michigan has done. I could be wrong about this, but it looks like they're saying, hey, we're not in the pay for play business. We're not in the business of putting six figures in your bank account on on the day your letter of intent has been signed. And so we're not going to be able to compete for, you know, the highest level guys. So what we're going to do Instead, at least the highest floor guys. And so, what we're going to do is forget about the floor and look at what we feel is the ceiling. And 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 so they're 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 swinging at guys that feel like high ceiling guys to them, and they've got a reasonable track record with that uh, over the last couple of years anyway. And so we're swinging for the high high ceiling guys. If they don't work out, we're papering it over in the portal. And and, you know, and so it also looks like maybe they're getting a little bit more flexible vis-a-vis what what, what, what the portal looks like. Uh, this year, you've got a freshman. Now, Hausman may only have one uh, one term in. I don't know. So depending on when he enrolls or he can fix it up in, in the coming summer. And the kid from Coastal Carolina, I'm blocking on his name. Uh, he Stewart, probably has Stewart, three yeah. terms in, but maybe, maybe some of his classes transfer. I don't know. But there, it looks like it's at least potentially the case that they're being a little more aggressive in the uh, in the portal, and at the same time, they're going to be quote more aggressive and they're recruiting and they say, hey, we're going to swing it at uh, at high at high ceiling guys if they work out great, and will if not then they're probably going to take off to some other place where they can play. And that's what it looks like to me. Now, I don't know if that's wrong or not, but it sure looks that way. Yeah, I agree with some.
1: I agree with some, disagree with others. I'm I'm curious what you think, Seth.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Craig is right uh, about uh, parts of it. I like the strategy, the overall strategy that Michigan is looking at, I think that they saw that this was the year of NAL. They saw that people don't really know how to do NAL yet, right? They've not figured out this, their systems, they just kind of jumped in, and, and everyone had their own version of it. And Michigan was like, "Well, we're gonna be bad at this. Like, we we haven't done this before. This is not what we're. This is we. Other schools have been at this for years, and they're just transitioning their old system that was underground into a you know a system that's overground. So teams like Notre Dame, like they had a you know one collective, and they were ready to go. like they had their system in place. But you saw Notre Dame yesterday just got raided because when you're yeah, offering. <laughs> When you offer money, right, when the money is the reason that someone's coming to your school, well, other people can produce money, right? And if you're not happy with anything else in the school, somebody else can produce money. It is literally the most fungible item that you can offer somebody. And when you sell your school on something that's unique to your school, it's a lot easier to retain people. So I do think that there is some sort of strategic uh approach that Michigan had this year where they were looking for guys with high ceilings because they have a good roster already and they can kind of you know they I I think and I think they were just not playing the portal well because they knew that was not what they were good at. With the transfer specifically, I kinda take a different view. I think that Michigan's always looked for the same kinds of things in the transfer portal. Guys who can help us immediately and maybe a couple of young guys who can come through the program and, and play after they've uh, been here for a while. This is not a portal strategy like Michigan State, who just like needs to fill roster holes. Michigan State goes to the portal and says, I need a linebacker. I need a cornerback. And this guy committed to Georgia years ago. He was a five-star years ago, so therefore he's going to fit here, right? That guy went to Florida. He's going to fit here. And then it turns out there was a reason those guys weren't playing. Like It's very, very rare that you get a guy who should win the Heisman. Usually you end up with a guy who... Sh- it's not playing because he shouldn't have been playing. Michigan's strategy here has not really changed. They've got mostly grad transfers. They've always gone after grad transfers. They've got a couple of young guys who credits transfer way easier, and it's a curve. The longer you're in school, the harder it is to transfer your credits to Michigan because their um, their requirements are most mostly make it difficult for uh, people um, who've already committed already taken a lot of like high level classes, classes that don't transfer over. it gets complicated and it's not worth us going through. But that's what Michigan's always targeted, right? Guys who can help them. and the uh, the guys that they got this year, I think was a lot of luck. The number one, the portals just larger. it's a bigger pool. So you're gonna have more candidates who fit the narrow band of what Michigan looks for in tra- in the transfer portal. And then they were just lucky that like you know Shaw retired this year. So there's two guys from Stanford. They, Michigan is the best offensive line offering in the country, right? Where where do you want to go if you're going to be an offensive lineman in 2023? It's Michigan. Like They they have all the hardware, literally. They have the Outland. They have the Remington. They have the Joe Moore Award twice in a row. And like where are you going to go if you're from Stanford? Well, you're going to go to like the guy who created your program in the first place, right? So that's an easy. They had a uh, a long uh, relationship with Darius Henderson, and like that was a very obvious guy that they wanted. Josiah Stewart's a guy that they recruited before. They had a, a previous connection with him, and they needed an edge really bad. They needed somebody who could create that. I think the only guy who really like, really went out in the portal and, and got a guy is Ernest Hausman, and that's someone that they watched themselves. They saw Hausman had a had a game against Michigan, and they they saw how he progressed this year because he was in their conference, and I, I think they had a connection with him. I think they c- recruited him before, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, these are guys that they already had connections with. And then, you know, and Barner and, uh, and Tuttle, you know, Mike Hart coached those guys. So we're, we're talking about people that Michigan already had connections with who had new reasons this year to be leaving their schools. And I think we just kind of got lucky that those fits were right there. You know, I think that
1: the portal approach evolved from the standpoint of of knowing knowing how to to find what you're looking for in a shallower pool. I think, you know, the the readiness to to be able to jump on a guy, you you don't you you aren't backdooring it in a way that is uh nefarious, uh that is unscrupulous. But Mm -hmm. you better have some irons in the fire out there with high school coaches, with with trainers, with with contacts for guys who you you have a feeling are going to go into the portal, so that's not uh, hey, you know, go in the portal, we're going to grab you. that's hey, we're here, and and so is about to be ready in the portal we're going to have some we're going to have some interest. you aren't saying that to them directly, mm-hmm. but you're planting the seed in the way, so when that guy goes in the portal, you're one of the and a lot of times you know. For all intents and purposes, a lot of these guys know where they're going to go once they hit the portal, anyway, right? Right. right. How are you in position to get that guy? The only way you're in position to get that guy is not doing things illegal, not calling that guy directly and and reaching out, but you have, you know, you have tentacles out there that allow you to have knowledge, to have awareness of who's going to be out there and that you're going to have a place with them. And that to me was what happened with Olu. And I think you just saw that entire experience with Oluola Watimi with kind of color, you know, their their approach moving forward. because, you know, I think you make a, a great point here, Seth. You can point to um, past relationships or past involvement mm-hmm. that that kind of paved the way for Michigan to to really be able to get in on on some of these guys now on uh, the maintenance of those relationships. Uh, I think it's something that they're using now in recruiting moving forward it was it applied to this recruiting class, for instance, when you look at Carmelo English mm-hmm. you know they maintained that relationship in a way that when he committed as soon as he decommitted they were they were right there. So you put all these things together, and I think it it lends itself to an evolving portal approach. I wonder as we see n i l moving forward because I believe I agree with Craig as we get to a break. they conceded the guy that you just buy. Mm-hmm. But they did not see recruiting big-time prospects. They just lost them. Mm-hmm. Part of it was because of NIL. You know, part of it, they could stand to improve. We have some tweaks here or there. But by and large, they were going to lose the guy that you got to buy. They were able to make up for it, make up for what they lost with the portal this year. That was a great, great compliment to what they mm-hmm. got in the recruiting class. We'll bring Brian Cook in on the other side with the MGO Blog Roundtable. Stay tuned here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. The ticket. Ann Arbor, a communal station. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider. Sports Talk 1050, WTKA online at WTK.com, Sam Webb, Ira Weintraub on the other side, and it is time for the MGO Blog Roundtable where we break down the latest and the greatest in Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. And uh, Yesterday was like the recruiting, it was it was the recruiting holiday, right? Recruiting Christmas. It was Everything that you work all year for, from a coverage standpoint, certainly the coaches and the programs work for, uh, for the most part, over the span of a couple of years, trying to put together a class. Uh, Michigan uh, finished strong with a couple of high-profile prospects joining me to break that down, like they do every single week, is the crew from MGo Blog, starting off with Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Seth Fisher, welcome back. Thank you. And Craig Ross, how are you today?
2: I'm doing fine. Brief shout out to uh, Alan Jackson from Southfield, who listens to this show, and ended up sitting next to me at basketball last week. A really smart sports fan. It was a pleasure to have him come down and then introduce himself and talk sports with me. So, that's a big right. deal. All
1: right, so let's uh let's broad brush it first. Just uh starting with you, Brian. You're you know your broad strokes, your reaction to Michigan's recruiting class. What stands out to you about it? Who do you like the most? Are you looking forward to seeing? What do you think?
0: Well, it's not a class that is where Miss Michigan has historically been. No top 100 recruits. So, I mean, you're trying to add Nichols Harbor in the in the late signing period, which would give the class a, a high-profile guy. And you know, I think JJ's McCarthy's and. Donovan Edwards are good to have, but you know they've filled it out with a number of guys who I think are, are high upside folks. Um, especially once you consider the fact that you have a couple guys who are transfers who um, have longer time frames, so you can plug holes in ways that you can't previously. So you know, I think there's a lot of turnover in with the recruiting coordinator both uh coordinators offensive and defensive and then uh Jim Harbaugh's flirtation with the Vikings that kind of made Michigan it made it difficult for Michigan to follow up on their playoff appearance last year and I think you're seeing in the 24 class that that was a bit of a one off because they've already got three guys in the top 200 committed they already got Jaden Davis who's going to be uh well they haven't got him but they're presumably going to get Jaden Davis and then he'll be that quarterback centerpiece for the 24 class that'll allow you to really point to someone who's, who's going to, you know, drive that class forward. So I, I feel like this is a bit of a little bit of a disappointment overall, but it's a blip that you can recover from, especially when Michigan's able to do what they're doing in the portal right now.
3: Seth? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little unfortunate. The the swings of, uh, 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 like Michigan did a couple of things to themselves, as Brian mentioned, but it was a little unfortunate that like this is the year that they're in the, you know, playoffs for the second time in a row. There's no guarantee they're going to keep making the playoffs and beating Ohio State every single year. And normally that would have had a bigger payoff. But like you know, Harbaugh's flirtation and like uh, staff changes were one thing. The other thing that this year really that shaped the recruiting cycle this year was NIL. And this was a a new thing that. Michigan, uh, you know, I said on the previous segment, it w- Michigan was just not going to be good at this. They, they did not have a setup for it. They didn't know how they're going to They have a lot of different people uh, inside the program who have a lot of thoughts on, on how it should be run. And other schools already had these setups and already were used to having these conversations. Um, and it was a big piece that Michigan was missing that we saw. Now, that wasn't the only reason I think people take that too seriously. And, like, I don't think NIL is the best way to recruit as you saw, you know, Michigan State's and Notre Dame's classes got raided because some guys that they had in the classes who were there for the money, somebody else can offer you money, too. Someone else can o- – it's it's a very fungible thing, money. So that I don't think that was – like I think that was – they were working with what they had. It was unfortunate that, like, they didn't have this success a few years ago where it would have really paid off more, I think, than this year when NIL was really the bigger story. Um but it's it's kind of a one year thing. I don't think that Michigan is going to be stuck recruiting the way that they're at the level they're recruiting. And also there was just some luck like Dante Moore when he signed with UCLA, everyone I think every Michigan fans should have been like, "Oh, okay, well that guy wanted to play right away." Well, he wasn't going to start at Michigan as a true freshman next year. So like that's why we didn't get that guy. And I think you know sometimes you're lucky. You have a JJ who or a Will Johnson who's like a son of your uh one of your program guys who was like there to build your class around and they just didn't have that guy this year.
2: Yeah. I, I feel a little differently about this. Uh, one, I, I'm not sure this is a disappointing class or not as a person who doesn't necessarily believe in recruiting ratings, because I think recruiting ratings tend to reflect more of the floor and not the ceiling of a, of a player. And I think Michigan has, has taken a, made a decision to look more at ceilings than floors, and uh, and this look at who they think can improve, who they can develop, and and who fits in the program, and I I think that's something that is doable. I think John Beeline did it in basketball, where I think one would think it's even more difficult. Uh, and so I think this this particular recruiting class and the portal class that that they've recruited is going to be more of what the future looks like. I just don't see Michigan going out and saying, uh, we're going to recruit you and and give you six figures in your bank account on the day you sign your letter of intent. I don't think that's happening. Do I think that's happening other places? Yes, I do. And uh, I just don't see Michigan playing that game, at least right now, given given the current and given current structures so i think what, what you're going to see more of michigan doing is trying to get the high star high highly regarded guys to the extent they can to the extent their legacies or their historically this is a place that they wanted to go as kids or there's something else um but i i don't i don't see um uh, I don't see this as a one-off class. I see this as, as what we what, what's going to be more typical over the next few years, uh, absent some change in in the structure of college football.
1: So I, I do think it's I, I do think there's a, a good chance it's an anomaly for a couple of reasons. I, I agree with uh, what what Seth said. I think Michigan was they were not uh, experienced in in the money game. For obvious reasons, whereas the schools, a lot of the schools they're competing with are and and were and were able to mainline and mainstream what they have been doing below board for a long time. I don't think Michigan concedes the entire field though, uh, when it comes to NIL when it when it comes to NIL, because you can't, because NIL is a consideration for, for every prospect. I think what they're gonna do moving forward is they're going to establish a relationship with a collective or some collectives that really i think establish a a baseline for what prospects can expect from an, as far as earnings are concerned coming in you know you like a michigan state for instance you got a collective attached where every student athlete is going to get a certain uh stipend for services provided on a yearly basis you get enough of those deals in place you you have established now i know i'm going to make this i know i'm going to make this amount of money coming in then you further lay out the blueprint for financial success through through NIL i think once you have a formal relationship with uh, with some of these collectives i think once you start to see not with numbers but just with 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 reporting i think when you start to see some of these deals that and some of the successes that we see across the athletic department become more understood as well. It allows coaches to then go out and not say, hey, you get $500,000 for coming in. But it does allow them to say, hey, you know what? These are the opportunities that you will have if you come to Michigan. Maybe not specifically if you sign, you got to deal with GM. But deals like this are what you're going to have when you come in the door. They need to be able to say that to recruits. And you can't really say that in a formal way right now. I think once they once they get things lined up, whatever their collective strategy is going to be, and there will be one, I think that'll go a long way towards helping Michigan in this space. And then the other part was what you pointed out, Brian. I mean, you had a turnover in staff that they, they it was going to take some time to recover from. And then, frankly, from a strategy standpoint, they're going to have to figure some, some things out. Like, you know, you had, a, you had a guy you could throw everywhere like Sharon Moore. Who's that guy for you now that you could drop in on any top recruitment and have him be a difference maker. You got some candidates on, on the staff. I think Jay Harbaugh could do it. I think Ron Bellamy can do it. Uh, and then from a recruiting department standpoint, you know who do you have as a relationship person that can do what Courtney Morgan was doing? I think Denard is a candidate for that. Can you utilize them like that? So there's some strategic things that they can do as well to sort of help them in
0: their, in their efforts, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing going forward. I mean texas a&m was able to ramp that up and get a bunch of guys in because texas a&m already had an infrastructure for paying players a lot of money (laughs) right like (laughs) michigan they're they're catch they're playing catch up and i I think they're gonna catch up because there's no moral imperative to not give people money right and uh you know i think any sort of like restriction on that because of some sort of benighted view of the way college football should be is going to get nuked and deservedly so Um, but you don't want to go full texas and it appears because they got 25 guys in the portal and they went five and seven this year and so there's there's got to be a middle ground between like we we want you because and you want to come here because we're paying you the most money and that's the only reason you want to be here so but to get Jaden davis you know michigan's recruiting against teams that are going to put money on the table. And yeah, he it seems like he wants to come here, but you're going to have to pony up some money. It's a disrespect if you don't at this point, beyond all the other reasons that uh, money is important and good for people to have.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of how it, it's really been striking to me going to, whether it's Notre Dame, Seth, you pointed out they got raided, right? Hmm. You go to, you you go to Oklahoma's site, because they, they were one of the teams rating, and they have been complaining about NIL. You go to Oregon, they lose Dante Moore. And you aren't losing Dante Moore because of NIL. You aren't. But, of course, they're talking over there. It's- Everywhere you go, they aren't satisfied with NIL. It's, cr- it's the craziest thing in the world. It's you ju- would think that Michigan would have a monopoly on that, but every program, every fan base is complaining about NIL, even the ones that you think, are successful at well, Ohio
3: State's mad about it. There's <laughs> there's a guy who call, who's calling it socialism, which is hilarious because it's the most capitalist thing ever. But it's what it, 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 that's the point. It's the most capitalist thing ever. It's a job market, and now we're finally realizing. and finally like, you know, establishing the fact that this what this has always been a job market. We're asking for their labor. Where do you find it when you're out of college and you have some skills and you just you, you have some abilities and you're looking for a job, you know. They, people offer you money, and that's a consideration it's not the only consideration, but if there's one job offering fifty thousand a year and one job offering one hundred and fifty thousand a year that's not that hard of a decision you're willing to make some concessions in other places because the money is better, and you can do things with money so as long as Michigan can get themselves to the point where if Florida's like, oh, we're we're going to offer you this much, and Michigan's not that far off, right? They No one says exactly what they're offering. Well, you know, you can't never trust matching, but it's just a market. It's just a job market. What was new this year it was just such a new market that people didn't know how to act, that uh, parents or, or didn't have a lot of uh, experience having these conversations, and then they had to have them. And so then they turn to people who they think can have, help them have these conversations. Then they're trying to do the best they can because they're you know they're helping somebody out. The programs didn't know how to have these conversations. It's a new market that everybody is trying to figure out. Michigan was behind the curve because they hadn't had these kinds of conversations before. They hadn't done these recruitments before. So they'll figure it out. It's like you said. They're you know they're getting their ducks in a the line. They're getting their thing, things organized. I. I. I, I don't know if you guys are uncomfortable with how it's going to be. I just feel like I just hope it shakes out faster.
2: Well, you know, part of the problem is we don't really know what the market is now. Maybe Sam does. No, no, know. no, I don't. But I, I mean, know. but I mean, this is a market that we don't know what it is, or even be- can't even begin to understand. You know, and 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 part of and and part of the issue is is you know, as Sam or Brian pointed out, you know, every school is complaining or every fan base is complaining, oh, we're just not paying guys enough. We're just not, we're just not into PFP or NIL, depending what you want to call it enough. You know, when everyone is making the same complaint, we really just don't understand what the marketplace is. And if you understood the marketplace, then maybe you'd, you'd, you'd have a, a greater ability to analyze but I, you know and like i say is michigan in for nil sure they are sure they are where that means hey you can work and use your name image likeness whether that work is just having your picture taken or something else and and uh, and michigan's all in for that are they in for pay for play i don't see it i don't see them i don't see word manual going that way or 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 thinking that that's the way Michigan should go. And now you may not like it. You may think that's wrong. Uh, you may feel that violates certain capitalist norms. I don't know, but I, I just don't see Michigan going there in the short term.
1: You know, I, I think I, I think Brian raised this point
3: mm-hmm. a
1: moment ago, uh, and you can expand the point of Brian, but if you traffic in in prospects to the point where your roster is comprised of all guys who you paid to come. There's a lot of volatility in that. There's a lot of roster volatility in yeah. that because you know if something goes wrong, right? If they don't get the, the the playing time that they were looking to get, to you know, there's so many factors that could affect their their standing at, or their their desire to be at that school. If it was just about how much they got paid to go there, and it's so easy to leave, I think that's a recipe for 25 players in the department. Look at look at the teams with. With teens and and in the twenties in the portal, and I, they're all in the south you you think they play a certain way in the nil space, and it's not very and also not surprisingly, most of them aren't successful, so I mean there has to be to your point, Brian, a middle ground here that's what uh, to find.
0: yeah, I mean, there's got to be some attraction to the actual school and coach and and program right <laughs> right, right like. You you go to Jimbo Fisher and he's just screaming at you 24 hours a day, and now you can transfer all the time. One thing I don't get is how JT Daniels is transferring from like the fourth time. It's, it's, there, there's a, there's an exemption, but it's a one time exemption. So how is JT Daniels transferring to Rice and not losing a year of eligibility? That's something that I think should be enforced. It's like once you've already moved, like, that's it. That's a year of eligibility. And I know that would hurt Michigan for Yabi Oki, but like there's got to be some sort of leveling well, off here.
2: Oki is a grad transfer, though, remember. And grad oh, transfers as uh, have always been treated somewhat differently by the NCAA. And I would say legitimately so. So I'm not sure Oki falls in that basket.
0: I guess, I guess that's what JT Daniels did. He must have graduated.
2: Three times,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's got a lot of degrees. That
1: guy, <laughs> hey man, hey. So I, I sort of took us off on a on a tangent there. I, I just, like I said, I don't think they've they've conceded that that space. I just think they've obviously been more deliberate in their pacing on it. And in the grand scheme of things, uh, especially if it works out like this, like the portal has, you know, if they. If they recover in NIL, the way they recovered in the portal, oh my, because let's get specific on that for a minute, on the players they got in in the portal. Plug and play, Brian, plug and play. They got a a series of other than Tuttle, but everyone else is, you can point to them, that guy's probably going to start or get significant playing time next year.
0: Well, I mean, I think Hinton is a question mark. Because his he's been in and out of the lineup for Stanford. He's been injured. He hasn't been graded out well at Pro Football Focus. Everybody else, pretty much, yeah. Like, Barner is probably going to be your number one in-line guy next year. Uh, Nugent, I think, just walks into the starting center job. And Henderson will play somewhere. He was possibly going to be a first-round pick in this draft. Um, and then Stewart, his, his uh, pass rush grades at Pro Football Focus are – off the charts for a guy who was playing as a true freshman and as a true sophomore. And his, his, uh, his numbers dropped off a lot this year, but his grade did not. So I, I think you got a guy who's established as a very good pass rusher in two years at, at coastal. I think that translates. And then Hausman may or may not start depending on if Michigan gets uh, Mike Barrett back. Um, but yeah, these, these guys are plugging holes and really the, the last one left is, is corner. Like if you lose Turner and uh, Green to the draft, and I think there are some rumbles that that's the way it's heading. Then you just need to to plug a corner in, and it's it's a little bit odd because, you know, Michigan hopped on all these guys, and they've been very successful in the portal. And there's some guys out there. There's uh, Fentrell Cypress. There's Denver Harris, uh, Tony Grimes, and Storm Duck out of UNC. There's a lot of guys who are established, good college corners, and you'd think that one of them would look at this roster and be like, I can be the last piece for a team that's probably going to be contending for a playoff spot next year as well.
2: I mean, to me, that that says, Brian, that Michigan isn't sure yet about what their corner situation is now they did get jair hill yesterday who uh i heard sam's interview with the coach and uh and the coach thinks he's the second coming of of uh, charles woodson more he or less desmond.
1: he said desmond
2: desmond i know uh but uh so yeah i mean if that's the case that that well okay we got another will johnson on our hands and that's great and uh but the the fact that they have they weren't more active in the portal vis-a-vis corner really does seem to imply to me that it's unclear uh as to what's as to what's going on with Green and and uh, Turner. Yep. So and in terms of, of the other guys, it isn't the one quibble I have is it isn't clear to me that Nugent walks in and is the is the starting center. I mean, my guess is that he's still gonna have to compete with uh Crippen? Raheem Andres- and yeah. Crippen. yeah. I mean, he, he I, I suspect yeah. that's still a battle because uh, I, I believe that Michigan likes the uh, the guys they have at center. So
3: if Crippen you know wins how... that job, Crippen's gonna win at Remington because that's because <laughs> yeah. that's a good that's a really good center. I, I'm not counting it out because mm-hmm. they like Crippen and yeah. he's been around. He took a redshirt this year, but like you know, he yeah. was they were getting him ready to start if they didn't get Olu. So I mean, I could see that, but like if Crippen wins that job. LFG, like that is a that that means he's really good and going to be really good for the next three years.
1: Isn't it, it? To me, that's kind of the point, though, right? Think about the window they're in. You got JJ McCarthy probably for another year. You got yeah. Donovan Edwards probably for another year. Yeah. You yeah. want to maximize this opportunity. You don't leave, even if you think Greg Crippen is outstanding. Mm-hmm. You don't leave it the change You make sure your center. Is going to be your center position is going to be outstanding. Whoever wins that job, to your point, Seth is going to be a boss, right? Mm -hmm. And so, why not do that at every spot when you are in position to be at least on paper be even better next year? You maximize this window, and I think that's what they've done in the portal.
3: Yeah, I mean, he he has to. You have to be worried about your own team too, right? So you have to like make sure you've had the conversation with Crippen that, like, you know, hey man, you're going to get competition every year, and if you don't see competition beneath you. You're going to see some competition coming in because there's going to be competition in every single spot, and I think they've had those conversations because they've been able to weather these uh, these storms. But you know, they had the Frankie situation in basketball. I know that was a weird situation, but like that, there are guys who have better reasons to transfer sometimes that you could lose if you uh, you know if you recruit over them too much. I don't think Michigan has done that. I think that you know they some of the offensive linemen can be like, hey, you know what gives. But nobody's guaranteed a spot here. And, you know, if you have a guy two years older than you coming in who's already started three years at Stanford or something like that, I don't know if Brian thinks differently.
0: Well, I mean, one interesting thing is that both the Stanford guys do have two years left. So it's, it's a little bit different than, than Olu, where he's definitely a one-and-done. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you're taking a guy who's got two years, then you got some runway. I mean, honestly, Miles Hinton could redshirt this year and then have two years later. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on where he he ends up. Like, if if he is ahead of Barnhart and and uh, uh, Trent A. Jones, <clears throat> then he's ahead of him. But if he's not, then the thing that makes sense is to preserve that year of eligibility. And then he just feels like a recruit at that point somehow. Um, and a lot of these timeframes are are have been changed by the COVID year, which is going to stop happening eventually. <laughs> it's a kind of a kind of amazing how it's still just this huge like. Uh, thing overhanging all of college football, where there's so much uncertainty, whether like this guy's coming back or this guy's gonna go. When otherwise they would have just been off to the to the league. Um, but yeah, it's it's a situation where. Um, just- yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just feel like they got Hausman, who's got three more years left. Like, not many of these guys are like one and done. So, I think that changes the nature of the portal because you get that second year out of a guy. And at that point, he's just part of your program. And you're like having the Walker, Olu guys, it's nice if you can get them. But it kind of feels like this year's basketball team a little bit. Like if you continue to have that turnover, because they had two guys, you know, go to the draft this year after middling freshman years that didn't really help the team win that much. And now they're starting over again. I, and I think that's something you want to avoid. Like, you want to avoid whatever is happening in Michigan State secondary. Yeah. But if you get guys with two years or three years left and then you patch a hole or two, that's that's something that I think really works. Yeah, great uh, yeah, break point. point. Ponder this in the break uh, because we talked a lot about the portal.
1: Uh, I want to get, you know, just the, the guy or two in the class that, uh, you know, when you look at, at their their upside – you know, or even where they, where they are coming in the door. Who you think is going to be an impact player from this class? Uh, we'll get, or players from this class, we'll get to that on the other side. Also, talk some some Michigan basketball as they dropped one another one uh, last night uh, to uh, North Carolina. So we'll get to that on the other side as well with the MGoBlog Blog Roundtable. Yeah, Craig, I I think yeah. I can't remember which one you said, but there is some uncertainty about what DJ. And uh Green a, and Green are gonna do. Yeah, I and I, I don't think they. I, I just, I know there was some talk about Cyprus coming yeah. in. I think maybe there's some initial interest, but I just don't think that they. I don't. I, I just don't think that they viewed him as a uh, as a guy that they liked as much as maybe the rankings do. Huh. He's also so. only
3: looked at places that are incre- like warm. He's gone to FSU. He's gone to UCLA. He's looking at Florida. Like. I anyone mean, Cyprus is looking at is warmer than Virginia. He just might not want snow.
2: Yeah, that that could be. Yeah. Wait, How tomorrow you'll want no snow too. Yeah, <laughs> what I like
0: credence. Do you give that that interview that uh, Corum did, where he said he's fifty fifty on returning? I give it a lot
1: of credence. I think that he, I think that he, um, I think that he uh, did I say this last week? He is not giving an indication of his plan to leave. Uh, it it is still. Up in the air. I mean, I, I guess maybe it was news that it was fifty fifty, but I don't I don't think that he was just blowing smoke in that regard. I you Sam, know, I um, hope that is I hope that doesn't affect their advice. Uh I think the best mm-hmm. advice to him, and I, I I say this trying to be unselfish, selfishly, come back, right? Yeah, you want up, him to come Sam. back to Michigan. Shut up, Sam. <laughs> don't do it, Sam. <laughs> <Unselfishly>. uh-uh. <laughs> well, he should
0: he should go. He should I go. Mean, if Michigan I, can come up with a package, go. like that matches where he's going to get next year in the NFL as a third or fourth-round pick. Is that really going to be a bad financial decision? I guess you get more certainty with the length of the NFL contract.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, Yeah, I'm just saying Michigan, Like this is where they really could shine in NIL is player retention. I think that like – they're not, you know, the conversations with recruits and stuff like that, I think it's, it's a much bigger gamble. When you got a guy on campus like Blake Coram, who probably not going to have a very long NFL career just because, you know, his size is, uh, is a limiting factor there and they go through running backs so fast, they, they dump you with the first sign of, you know, a, a little injury or something. So maybe they can make a pitch to him that has, like, a little bit more longevity to it or, like, more family security to him. Like, hey, you know... We know you're going to have an NFL career. If you lose an NFL year to playing for us, then we're going to make sure that you're taken care of for a lot of years afterwards, like the NFL wouldn't, you know, like some, they should be able to
2: on have something one like that. One minute. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't
3: think it's situational. I think it makes, I
1: think it makes like a lot of sense for a guy like DJ Turner to come back because DJ Turner can significantly improve his stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he comes back, I just don't think
0: Blake can improve his stock. No, back. probably not, but yeah, like there are reasons to come back to Michigan that are not financial, right? Sure. And yeah, sure. If sure. he feels that and the financial package is relatively similar, I mean that's a different ball game. Uh, I get paid it's, nothing.
2: It's a completely legitimate point that you know, he's right now from what I, my view and from looking around looks like the number 2 running back in the draft. Uh, you know, I would have him as number 1, but the, you know, but the That's not where he's ranked though. He's ranked number two yesterday behind Bijan Robinson. Okay. Back in about guy, 10
0: seconds, guys. Yeah. And
2: uh so I, I personally, if I was drafting, I would take Quorum over Robinson, but that's not how the NFL people view him. So I mean that's hard for him when if if that's true, if you're the number two guy.
1: And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com back with the MGO Blog Roundtable crew. So ask you guys to ponder during the break who in this class do you look at and say man i, I expect that guy to be a, a, an impact guy or i think he has a chance to be a really big time player for michigan uh, uh do you see any guy like that i mean who do you point to bright
0: uh, i like kendrick bell i mean he's got the bloodlines he's taller than his brother he's six foot three i don't know if he's going to be a quarterback they're going to give him a shot there Uh, I I would hope he works out as a quarterback because his mobility, his ability to break the pocket and and hit deep downfield, I think we've seen with JJ this year. And this is where a lot of NFL quarterbacks are going. It's like you need to have that mobility in modern football. And he definitely brings that. Failing that, you know, six-foot-three brother, Ronnie Bell, throw him at wide receiver and see what happens, right? Um, But yeah, he's ranked in the 800s and... That's like a 400-spot improvement on Ronnie Bell, so he's going to be 50% better than Ronnie Bell.
2: <laughs> I like that take. I mean, that would be probably the first one I, I would look at also. You know, I'm I'm very curious about running back. Uh, given that, you know, there's a chance Coram will be gone uh, at the end of this year, a reasonable chance, given that we probably only have one more year of uh, Donovan Edwards. Uh, it would seem like this would have been a good year to bring a running back in, yet they didn't seem super aggressive along those lines. Now, I, I don't know if you guys have looked at any of Benjamin Hall's tape. Uh, I liked his tape, uh, you know, from his uh, junior year, but then he didn't play this year. Uh, or he played very little. and uh, you know the little bit he played, the the tape still looks good to me. Um, so i'm I'm a little confused. Why? Why he wasn't playing, or and I'm a little confused by why he was evaluated at, at such a low level by uh, um, by by the recruiting folks. But uh, he's getting played. But over. I, I mean,
3: he, he's yeah. on a team with like yeah. a whole bunch of dudes. They got like a junior coming up mm-hmm. who's like super fast. Like Benjamin Hall, he's not a bad. T- I mean, it's not like uh, what was it, Kurt something that we. He, we had Kurt like a, Taylor. Kurt, Kurt Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, where it's just like you know, okay, we're just throwing a flyer out because this guy loves Michigan. Yeah. Um, I think that he's you know he's a player. It's I I don't know why he was the guy that they like zoomed in on. It was just like early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes like they, I I trust his staff because they found Hassan Haskins too. Right. They huh. they sometimes they can just scout a dude. Um, but I didn't see anything in in Hall's tape to be like, okay, we need to get this guy in the class now. And and make sure that he's you know he's our guy. Maybe they did. Um, they do have Cole Cabana, who I think you know you put on a little weight on him.
2: Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Cabana. Is he really a running back, or is he more of a com uh, sort of a slot receiver running back? He's fast as hell. I mean, the guy can yeah. run. I think I he mean.
1: showed this year that he can that you can kind of run the football too. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely more more Donovan than than Blake. Uh, and he's not, you know, I wouldn't call him the, the, the physical runner, uh, that, that Donovan showed himself to be in, Mm -hmm. in uh, high school. So I want to qualify the comparison. I'm just talking about the duality of of who he is. He can really catch the football. He has that, that gear might, might be the fastest guy on the team Mm -hmm. walking in the door, uh, for, for next year. But he also showed, I mean, he put on a lot of muscle. He showed, he He's willing to stick his nose in there. So he'll he'll run between the tackles. But they, I, I think the Benjamin Hall piece was that that was the the thunder to to the lightning, or at least that's that's how they were positioning it in in recruiting. He was like, when we remember when Hassan Haskins left, there was this big question, who's gonna be who's gonna be the big physical back? And I remember Blake kind of feeling a certain kind of way about it. He said, Well, look, I can do that. And uh-huh. I just wasn't asked to because we had a side,
2: right? Well, but I did, right? reaction.
1: I think the reaction <laughs> yeah. was, we got to find mm-hmm. that on the team, right? So you saw the, the experiment with Khalil Mullings really start to take off. And then they were like, we got to find that in recruiting. And I mm-hmm. think that lent itself to going at Benjamin Hall when they did. Now, you know, you can see here late, they did try to go in on other running backs. Darius Taylor, mm-hmm. for instance. So they... You know, I think they looked at the the running back recruiting. They looked at the possibility of Blake leaving as well, and and saw the need to maybe add another guy. They just weren't able to.
2: You know, I don't want to minimize this because I loved Cabana's tape as 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 a as a running back. Also, he just is one hundred and seventy five, one hundred and eighty pounds right now, and so you. you
1: I know, give him over one eighty. I mean, looking at you him, I think Cole, he's over one eighty. Yeah, you look at Cole. Okay. He's he's been in the weight room. Okay, he's been in the weight room for sure.
2: But yeah, his tape is phenomenal. But and I include phenomenal as being a running back. I mean, he has vision, he has speed, he can break a tackle. So,
1: so who would who would your
3: guy? Did you did you pick a guy uh, uh, there? Um, Seth, you picked the guy yet? Me? No. I mean, <laughs> the whole class is upside, so you could just throw a dart yeah. in this class and be like, "Oh, Mirakua, he's gonna you know out outplay his ranking because his ranking is like nothing." Um, one of the guys that I think that just people aren't talking enough about is Hayden Moore. That was a a linebacker they picked up really late. They flipped him from Nebraska. Uh, He's a guy that I think that Michigan really wanted before and just kind of committed to Nebraska quickly and then uh just you know, he, things opened up because they lost Scott Frost and Michigan was like just immediately on that. Uh, I also found it really interesting that Texas A&M was jumping in late and you know Brian joked yesterday, like, yeah, well, they need linebackers because they have twenty-five guys in the portal. But like, Texas A&M isn't just going to be jumping in on a, you know, on, on any guy. They they they've done their homework. They know he's definitely not whatever what, what he's he, like. He's ranked down in the Kendrick Bell range. Like that's that's not where that guy should be. He's fast. He got a gazillion tackles at Aurora, Colorado, which. Is like I think the fifth largest Aurora in the two four seven database as far as high schools. So, like, they're that's not a school that like a lot of people are going out and looking at. And that's where you can find some of these guys. And then there's a whole bunch of guys with uh, really high ceilings from Ohio that they looked at. You know, Brian Ishmael could turn into a real edge. Like, you got to build that guy. Um, uh, There's there there there's a lot of players in this class that like unwrap them in two years and. They're ranked pretty lowly right now, so finding one dude is kind of difficult.
1: For me, the the there are two guys that I look at, which is really tough. But I I think they're the two guys that are going to outperform their ranking the most. Jair Hill, who I know is a top two four seven guy, but I think he's a top fifty talent. I I think Jair is, is that dude. Uh, I think you you put ten pounds on him. Uh, you put him uh in a in, in a scheme where you know. I just don't know that you know how intricate, how elaborate uh, they they've been. It's, it's different from Will Johnson, who has been around pros mm-hmm. for so long, and really, from a from a film study standpoint, and uh, you know, a, a coverage a coverage understanding standpoint, uh, he he was just ahead of the curve, and he's an early enrollee. I didn't think those things lend themselves to Will hitting the ground running. Uh, and being faster in his his ascent as a player. The other one is J- is Jason Hewlett. I-, I think like Jair, I think mm-hmm. he's a freaky twitchy athlete uh and I think Jason Hewlett is going to be a guy who you look at in a couple of years and you're like, "Man, this he de- I- he's he's 6-4, he's long, he's athletic." You know, we were talking to him last night, I didn't realize he's also uh stand out on the basketball floor. Uh man, that's a guy that they down the stretch they got, and I think we're gonna the the folks in Ohio are gonna look at like you remember how they looked at Jake Ryan? It was like, man, how
3: did that guy get past Ohio State?
1: Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna do the same thing with Jason Welzer. I mean, Jason and Hewlett. Where where's
3: years. he gonna play? What's do you even do? We even have any idea like what they're gonna do with him? So
1: edge linebacker. I I, I think you you see where his body kind of takes him, uh-huh. but he kind of talk, he talked about in that range, maybe saying I don't know exactly where he's gonna wind up because he's even been on offense mm-hmm. uh, in, in high school. He's lined up all over the place. And he said as much last night. He's such a good athlete though, that I think he is uh he's one of those X factors on, on defense that you can make you can have have be an edge guy that can rush the passer, that can drop in coverage, that can play the run. I'm trying to think of a guy like him. The closest guy physically to him in the defense right now is junior colson to me. Uh yeah. but I don't I haven't heard any designs on playing him uh, as, as an inside backer. So everything I've heard sounds like they want to play him on the edge.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But The one underrated guy for me, even though he's rated fairly highly, but I'm going to gamble on him being a an NFL player is Evan Link. The uh that guy, he can play. He he's going to be a starter here. And and he's going to be a really, really good football player in the Big Ten. And he's going to get drafted by somebody. Uh, he you know, he's good. A lot of these guys, they sort of came at us fast. So I haven't had had a chance to 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 look at, at tape from everyone yet or or even close. But yeah, well, I think watch, watch you.
1: have you. And if you haven't watched Jair, Jair's tape, go watch. I haven't. Oh, his, haven't. his, go his tape's
3: amazing. Jair, I'm a little worried because he played free safety in high school. So, like, I don't know if he can, like, walk in and play cornerback this year. And if yeah. that's his expectation, then he's going to have to have a little expectation adjustment. Um, Because, like you said, like, you know, even if Jair – uh, I think he's enrolling early. But, you know, even that, you know, Will Johnson was as prepped as a cornerback can be. And Michigan's got right. a very complicated system. And it took Will Johnson over half the season to win that job and to, and, and to be comfortable in it. And he was making mistakes in coverage – you know, at the midpoint of the season because it's such a complicated defense. They run a lot of coverages. It's not like we have – we're not a normal college defense that has, like, we're a cover two and then we run some other thing, right? They play man. They play cover two. They play switch. They play uh, saving system. They play some quarters. They, like, they do everything, and when you play an NFL-level cal- like l- defense like that, your secondary has to learn a lot. Now in the future, they hold on to Jair and they develop him. I agree with Sam because one of the things you do with those defenses is you have guys who can play a lot of different things, and you can play Jair at free safety sometime and then roll him down to cornerback and then roll him down to nickel, and it's a thing that they want to do with Johnson as well. If they can start building a secondary with talent like that, then, man, it's going to be a legendary. It's going to be a generational secondary.
1: It's. It, it, I, I think my point. You just hammered my point home. I, I don't know. I don't know that it'll be as quick. Matter of fact, I I would predict for it not to be as quick with Jair as it was with with Will. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, I think he's gonna be a dude, man. I I, I mean, he is immensely talented. I got to get your your basketball takes, guys. Uh, non conference out of the way, and they didn't get a single, uh, they didn't get a single quality victory, uh, Brian. So it. it It makes the margin for error slim if there's any at all in Big Ten play.
0: Well, yeah, and they lose those three games by a total of 10 points, right? So, I mean, they had their opportunities in all those games, and they just couldn't take it. And, you know, there's just plays here and there that kind of remind you that most of this team is very young. And there's the flyby that Doug has on the three-pointer that goes in, and it's an and one. And you're just like, well, yeah, that's a freshman play. And Michigan has a lot of guys making freshman plays. But, you know, you saw Kobe can have a really good game last night. You see Jet uh, Howard still uh, performing well. And then, I mean, I got to be honest, like Hunter Dickinson got stuffed in a trash can last night. And it's hard for Michigan to win when their best player puts up, what, six, eight points, and the opposing center goes off for 20, 26, 28. So, I mean, there's I seems like there's kind of something going on with him. He's not performing up to his usual standard. He hasn't really improved defensively at all. And you combine that with Jet, who is improving defensively but has still has a long way to go. And you know, a freshman point guard, and then a, a guy who's a sophomore but is a very young sophomore in Kobe Bufkin. And you just have you can see them getting better and you can see them improving, but they really, I think, needed one of those three games. Uh and they just kind of came out short in all of them for, for various reasons. You know, I, I feel like they'll probably be pretty decent by the end of the year, but they really dug themselves a hole.
2: Yeah. That, that seems really right to me. I mean, it's interesting. Hunter, I think his best game was against uh Shwebe who was the player of the year last year. Right. But he, he had a terrible game last year against Bacot when he was in foul trouble in that game. And 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 in this game he shot the ball poorly early and uh
0: well i mean the thing that really bothers you ahead. is you know he gets his his first opportunity on the block and he just puts up a jumper like yeah. he's not even making
2: making him a move
0: making him yeah. work and yeah. that guy gets ends up like going to the bench in the second half cuz he's got four fouls with well, 6 7 minutes left mm-hmm. and If he's more aggressive, if he's able to, you know, get a foul on him early, then that changes the game. And the other thing that changed the game was the ridiculous quadruple tech.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that was moronic. That was just such bad officiating. And the game sort of turned there. And it was right after. It's curious to me. Hubert Davis goes off uh on on a play that was
0: yeah i couldn't i couldn't believe that he didn't get teed up there like yeah that was running
2: down the court cursing at the ref going up and down nothing happens and he was wrong aside from that about the play and and uh you know and right after that you get the the first call on hunter and then uh which was probably an okay call and then it gets compounded right away with the second foul on Hunter on, on, on the technical, which to me, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it closely yet, but it looked a little sketch. The whole thing looked a little sketchy to me, but it happened. And so now Hunter's got two fouls and he's already not playing as aggressively as he should. I think that's right. And I, and one of the reasons might be, Last year against Carolina, he was in foul trouble from the get-go against Bacot. He ended up uh, in in foul trouble in that game. And so uh, maybe he was a little gun-shy. And and then he's got all of a sudden two fouls in the game, which Michigan had dominated early and played very well, all of a sudden just flips. And they still almost win it, but uh, they're just not good enough to overcome that sort of stuff.
3: This this team has three pieces right now. They got Hunter Dickinson, who was just off last night, and I think part of the trip of the quadruple technical was Hunter just being silly. Like he just not, he doesn't need to do some of the things that he's doing. And, I agree with and that. And they could have avoided that whole situation. And like that that's kind of what you get from Hunter, right? Like he has his emotions will will go in different directions in a game, and you know he's he's a heel and. He, when he can't, a heel. When, when he doesn't feel it, the heel, you know, gets, gets mud in his face. Um, and, and, and Bakad is just money at doing that to him. North, North, North Carolina is just really good at it, right? Like they're, North Carolina and Duke are probably the best two teams in the country at just kind of like getting under your skin by just the way they play. And they're, you know, it that, that works against Hunter. The, the next piece they have is Jet. Jet is just really young. And there's nothing, there's no way to unfreshman him without like just having him play. Offensively, he was the bit, you know, he's the thing that they have going. There, one of the things I liked about this game is that we were worried about what happens when you put him against, you know, Leaky Black, who's like this defensive guy who's not really putting any time into his offense. He's just long, and it still worked, right? Like, he, like he, we could still score with Jet. So, and then the last piece is Kobe Buffkin. He's young, he's coming along, but he's kind of the last few weeks kind of emerging into a star. And he's – if they could – if they had support around those guys, if it wasn't a true freshman point guard with them, if they had, you know, T. Will off the bench and another guy who could, you know, command something or do something – or be a problem somewhere on the court. um, Because really what – as soon as you get past those guys, everyone's just kind of a lunch pail carrier, right? They don't have two more dudes – who can really kind of affect the game or come in off the bench and really change the, change the way the game's going. So what happens is as soon as you lose one of your guys for whatever reason, then you got nothing.
2: You know, I, 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 there was a lot of criticism online about T. Will, but T. Will completely – talk about stu- stuffing someone into a trash can. T. Will beat up on, on Nance last night. Nance did nothing. Mm-hmm. And Nance was in foul trouble and and T will was a leading rebounder in this game, I think. I think he ended up with eleven rebounds, and Nance did zero, and he's mostly being checked by by uh, T will. So yeah, he didn't shoot the ball early. I think he missed his first seven shots, but he did hit two threes down, you know, down the down the stretch. Um, you know, it's it would be good if if Michigan had a little more size uh, next to. You know, next to Hunter, that's for sure. But it's just not something they have right now. So, and- you know,
1: last night to to me was a little bit different. And, and, and watch a Hunter because he to, to, it was it was him being off as opposed to them not getting them touches. So did he get like mm-hmm. seven, eight shots against Lipscomb or something like that?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I, I just and I asked Phil about it. I said, you know, you won the game. Maybe it's tighter than expected, or it was tighter than expected. Uh, but as you go back and look at it you know Hunter only gets eight or nine shots your 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 best player how do you get him more looks and he went into uh a so an analysis of floor spacing and saying they cannot get the paint unclogged right now and that is a dilemma for them uh, in getting him the ball in, in with some operating room and so how do they how do they do that who develops wow. uh, around him that will allow them to do that maybe that's one of the reasons why he's uh, He's settling for what he's settling yeah, for.
2: I have a suggestion. And when you play your two-man game, you either play it—you play it with Kobe and you play it with Jet, not with Doug. I mean, Doug, I mean that. I mean because Kobe and Jet are going to be your best shooters out there, or even Joey Baker when he's in the game. And now you pass the ball inside out, uh, and you've got the best three look imaginable. Because that's the easiest three when you're square and the ball's coming from the center, and so uh, and if you do that with Doug, a, it's harder for Doug to get him the ball because of his size, and b, he's not who you really want shooting shooting the three, and so I would change their offense so so your two man game evolves around around Jet and uh, Kobe into into Hunter, and I think you'll see more space then.
1: You can get an um, endorser on the way out from Edward Ramirez. Says thank you. Top pick and roll needs a mm-hmm. shooter to be effective. Giving Craig some love. I give you guys a ton of love because you uh, bring such great analysis and commentary to the show. And you're my guys. I like talking to you on a weekly basis. I appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Are we on next Thursday? No, this is the
0: last Thursday of the year.
1: This is the last Thursday of the year. So I want to take this opportunity to tell you fellas how much I appreciate you and how much I appreciate your contributions to the show on a weekly basis wouldn't be the same without you fellas. So have a happy and safe holiday. And I think I want to see all you guys out in Phoenix, right?
2: I'll be there. Not,
1: yeah, I'll be there. Not
2: not
3: me. Not me. I promised <laughs> I would stay home. I, I made I made a dumb deal that we'll, I'll only go this year if, it, if we're going to the Rose Bowl. And God, is that killing me now? <laughs> Does, they might be, they're going to be going to L.A. Can you go to L.A.? I think I might be going to L.A.
1: <laughs> there you go. Right, we'll good. see you in L.A. Yeah, all right. in a few weeks. So anyway, the rest of you folks, we'll see you tomorrow here. No, we won't. We'll see you next week. Tuesday here on the Michigan Insider and see you Saturday or at Fraser's Pub as we'll have the next stop in the beer tour starting at 1 o'clock on Saturday so I hope to see you there. See you uh, then here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor Cumulus Station.